four and I, we grew up best friends and we've been meaning to launch this for a while. And, you know, we, we talk about this enough as it is, so we might as well record ourselves. People want to join, they join. People want to listen, they listen. And uh, you know what? We're just going to build this out day by day and go from there. All right. In today's topic, we're going to be discussing the most underrated quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and defensive players of the last, uh, maybe in the last 20, 30 years, and based on our opinions and just our, our eye test. All right, Forrest, would you like to go first? Absolutely, man. So I think we decided to go uh, two quarterbacks, a running back, wide receiver, and a defensive slash special teams player. Uh, so I think uh, it only makes sense for us to start off with the quarterbacks since we got two of them on the list. So uh, my my first uh, selection here, it's going to be uh, – I, I will go by my favorite quarterback growing up, Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, you know, a lot of people have it on him, and uh, I kind of – you know, I understand, you know, he wasn't the most athletic. He didn't run, um, but he had a cannon for an arm. And uh, people forget – that this guy led, you know, he got Seattle to their first Super Bowl. He uh, he was a franchise quarterback. He ran the West Coast offense better than anyone in the NFL, I think, truly had at, up until that point. Um, you know, played 17 years in the league. And, uh, you know, he had a winning record. And, um, you know, that's with some pretty, pretty awful Seattle teams there, man, uh, post-Super Bowl and you know, pre-Super Bowl, the roster was pretty good with Sean Alexander and everything. But, like, we can't act like it was absolutely amazing. So, um, got to give some love to Matt Hasselbeck as my, uh, my first quarterback on the board here. Doesn't get talked about enough. He was a uh, vastly – he's a vastly underrated. I think he defines the word underrated. So, um, I'm going to give the floor over to you, man. You give me uh, – you, you go ahead and give us a quarterback, man. All right. First and foremost, man, I, I got to say I like the pick. The only thing that I think is hard for you to shake is people only know him for his call of the overtime against Green Bay, where he said, we're, we're going to take the ball, we're going to score over there. And I believe he threw a pick six, right? So uh, that always cracks me up. But No risk it, no biscuit. <laughs> you know, the, what I will go with, I got to say, I based it off a few metrics I liked. I wanted to go based off where they were drafted, the stats, the longevity, and durability, which is similar, but longevity is number of seasons played, and durability is just, you know, how do they hold up over that time? And um, just if they had an advantage that was unique to them or that was just exceptional. My first quarterback, I got to go with Kurt Warner, undrafted, greatest show on turf, wins the Super Bowl MVP. Lasted 12 seasons, hard to do. I got to say the guy battled injuries. I remember as a kid, he got benched for Eli Manning or yeah, I think he got benched in New York and uh, you know, people thought he was done goes to Arizona and then the nine and seven cards, the wild card, Arizona Cardinals go all the way to the Super Bowl, and he has them winning with uh, a, a minute or something to go. And if Santonio Holmes doesn't make the most improbable grab I've ever seen, this guy's got two Super Bowls and wait for it. This guy would have three Super Bowls if Adam Vinatieri misses a field goal, right? So both instances, his defense let him down. He would have three Super Bowls in 12 seasons, let alone still had three appearances in 12 seasons. That's phenomenal. And I think really just his advantage that I thought was he threw a very accurate ball. If you look at the footage of that Arizona Cardinals team, you know, he was placing the ball where Fitzgerald could just catch and run, take it off. And then he had Anquan Bolden, right? So every time, you know, this guy did 
did have the advantage of having great receivers, even in St. Louis with Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. But, you know, he still got it done. So I, I think that was my quarterback. Um, I'm going to send the floor back to you, man. You let me know what you think of that. Well, hey, let me just let me just uh, give you some props on that pick. That pick was a really good pick. I uh, He crossed my mind, man. And, I mean, you look at the numbers, they're there. Um, he was an absolute beast at quarterback. And I have to say, man, uh, you left out probably the most important part of this man's story. This dude went from bagging groceries one week to literally quarterbacking a week later. Like, that's unheard of. That's in a movie, and you laugh at it. So you got to give that man absolute props. The career was phenomenal. He got so many years out of it, and he he was a great quarterback, man. So um, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, yeah, man, I think you might want that one. I think it went a little bit of my heart on that quarterback pick. But uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this one's going to win me anything because my reasons, I have a little list here of kind of my, you know, my reasons for putting this guy in. This is my reason for my next pick here at quarterback number two. I wrote reasons. Really enjoyed watching him play, but didn't have a lot of great years. <laughs> so, you know, I still think he falls under underrated, man. And that's David Gerard. I, uh, I, I think that's a guy that if you watch football from 04 to like 2011, that dude was, you know, he'd show up in the Pro Bowl every now and then, man. He'd show up. In, in in the top 10 passers, top five passers every now and then. He wasn't, he wasn't ever going to win the game, but he did get Jacksonville to two postseason appearance, appearances back then. He had a really, really fun roster at the time, you know, with, uh, first off, Maurice Jones-Drew, right, running running the ball over there. And, uh, you know, he had receivers go, I mean, he had a decent amount of receivers down there. They had a good defense. Um, but, but, you know, honestly, man, really solid quarterback. I don't think he gets enough love. Uh, you know, kind of that dark era of football, man. Not a lot of people give it love, but that 05 to 2010 run, man, there were some sleepers in there. I'll go ahead and pass the mic back to you, man. I like it. It's, it's interesting because I do feel like um, there are certainly some childhood moments of playoff football in these Jacksonville Jaguars were always in it and it never made any sense right they were just that good <laughs> but yeah man I, I gotta say there is something to be said about that we're like I gotta hand it to them man they they did a good job right like he always had Leftwich on him as well I believe Leftwich ended up actually taking his job but I like the pick man um I'm gonna go with Tony Romo for my quarterback. You know, I, I know you got an instant reaction over there. Great pick. Yes, yes. And uh, I just, I have to say there's something to be said about, again, you know, falls under the undrafted metric. He, you know, I think we forget that this guy had a lot of subpar teams for Dallas, right, during those years. And um, again, I think the other part that's kind of unique and funny is he also took the position from Drew Bledsoe. And, uh, you know, that's a little funny. But anywho, I think his stat line was just phenomenal. I think there was something along the lines of, you know, 65% completion percentage all time. That's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it's also extra distractions in Dallas as a quarterback. I think the other part also is he lasted 13 years. He did only start from 06 through uh, about 15, 16. But in those 10 years, he... He made the Pro Bowl four times, 
I think Romo gets a lot of crap. But, you know, we also have to remember this guy played with, what, Peyton Manning, Breeze, um, Brady, right? Like, all these great quarterbacks. So, I just, I think if he played in a different era, he'd probably get a bit more appreciation. But, you know, it, hey, man, it is what You brought up a trigger point for me, man. So, you brought up uh, Manning. And I think you'll remember this exact game as well. But it was Denver and Dallas. It was an absolute shootout. I'm thinking like 52-49, something like that. And uh, and it threw a couple of picks early. Uh, hey, a couple of picks early with Denver. But Eli threw one at the very end, man. And this guy up until that point was like four touchdowns. No picks. Who won't blame Romo for that loss? And that kind of sums up his run in Dallas. Like he had the hardest market probably outside New York to be a quarterback for. Absolutely. Yeah. And And again, I think, you know, I think we forget that Dallas is the Cinderella franchise of the NFL, right? So I think I think a lot of uh, Cowboys fans, they get smacked from us. But I don't know. I kind of have to respect their loyalty in a way as well. You know, I feel like everyone knows a Cowboys fan they dislike or like, and they're everywhere. So I kind of got to give them some respect for that. Also, hell of a stadium, right? So there is that. The, the next position, so I, I don't know, I think... I liked your Gerard pick more than I liked my Romo pick, man. So I kind of got to give you that one. I think, I think as far as um, just the outlandish take of David Gerard and and bringing it up that he actually was much better than people give him credit for, right? So I like that. I liked your pick. The next position I think we should go to is running back, which I like to call the factor back. It's a uh, a joke to uh, Merrill Hodge when I was growing up. I'd be watching NFL Live and this guy would be talking about factor backs and get a seal here and a seal there. And I don't know, it just, it, it, it just brings me back. But anywho, man, give me your running back. Most underrated running back of all time. Hey, man, well, speaking of uh, ultimate factor backs here, uh, I think this guy was a little bit ahead of his time. I think uh, kind of a weird little take here, but if this, and I already kind of tipped my hat, uh, tipped my hand about what I was going to, who I was going to go with here, I mentioned him earlier, uh, but it's a guy that I honestly believe for three years, that three-year run that this guy had, if he played in any other market, he'd be held a lot higher. And that is Maurice Jones, Drew, MJD, Jacksonville. This guy was an absolute machine. And, you know, he was a small back, but he was powerful. And he could, he you know, he would get through, get through most defensive players, man. And uh, I just I have a few things back this point up right three year run three years back to back to back this dude put up 1350 yards uh or more um he in one of those years the second year he hit 1650 and um you know they talk about like running backs man and you know kind of uh you know he left jacksonville his final year in jacksonville he still put up 808 touchdowns that's insane. I mean, to, to be on the out. And that was the second to last he had in the league. So um, he had three seasons of 13 touchdowns or more, um, not including those, you know, those three seasons. I just think, man, you look at the body of work that that guy had, you know, and, and truthfully to his, you know, he didn't play with an elite quarterback, right? This is underrated, but we're not going to sit there and act like David Gerard is, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, any of those guys, big Ben of the time. Like, so he, so he did a lot with uh having who he had around him too so gotta give it to mjd first guy to spring the mind on this topic 
Don't think he gets enough love. Still got the MJD jersey home and away in the closet. That's one I'm not letting go of, man. That was a, that was a really, really fun player to watch. You know, it's funny, man, because, you know, you and I were in our late 20s, early 30s. And uh, one thing I think that cracks us up, man, is we, just like many others, we grew up on watching Sports Nation, right? This is before the social media age that we live in today. And I just remember, man, for weeks on end, there was always the highlight of Maurice Jones Drew blocking Sean Merriman, Mr. Lights Out himself. <laughs> right. Yes. So I, I think that's kind of what I remember him for. Uh, but, you know, I do remember him being a good factor back as well. I'm going to go with a little bit of an older running back. And, uh, you know, I, I just remember watching him and I, I just thought he was really good at the time. And it didn't make any sense, right? This is, you know, the kid version of me, right? So I feel like when you're a kid and you're watching football, you're like, why are we running the ball? We should be throwing the ball deep every every play we can. And so I went with Curtis Martin, running back for the Jets. He did spend three years for the Patriots early on in his career. But man, this guy was drafted in the third round. All time, he's sixth in total rushing yards, right? Another great wow. Yeah, another great stat, man, is this guy spent 12 years as a running back, which in that era is pretty damn good. Also, of the 12 years, five Pro Bowls, right? So that's that's really good as well. And the other thing, you know, this isn't a knock on this quarterback, but, you know, I mean, this is who the guy had to deal with. He had Chad Pennington his whole time. And Pennington was pretty damn good, but, you know, he wasn't that great, right? And so Curtis Martin put up a lot of great numbers with Herm Edwards as his coach and Chad Pennington as his quarterback. So that's my all-time most underrated running back. I respect it, man. The very, very good pick. I had no idea he was that high on the rushing yards list. Uh, very, very solid pick, man. Uh, let me see. And so I think our next one up is going to be a wide receiver and uh, – I think with this one, man, uh, I, I, I have an idea of where you're headed, but uh, with mine, man, uh, you, you might have already guessed it. I am a Bucks fan, so I'm extremely biased, but I'm going to go with Vincent Jackson. Uh, the guy was an absolute nightmare matchup. He's six foot five with a wingspan of about six seven. He uh, was a night, yeah, nightmare matchup for corners. Like, good luck putting a six foot corner on that. Um, you know, and it, I kind of, when I was looking at his stats, he hit. Over a thousand yards, uh, six of his twelve years that he was in the league. That is okay, but what where his true value was was with touchdowns and that red zone style offense and being able to grab the touchdowns. You know whether it was you know Philip Rivers or when he came over to Tampa and had Josh Freeman and passed on to you know Glennon and everything. So um, had Jameis for a year. He really truly was a red zone threat in the definition of a red zone threat. And I think uh, it's a terrible, he was a, you know, by all accounts, a really, really good human being and a absolute beast uh, on the football field. So got to give him some love, man. That's going to be my wide receiver pick there. Dang. So I wouldn't have guessed that he had that many 1000 yard receiving seasons. I also think you're downplaying it. I think you have to kind of price in the fact that people didn't pass as much during that time period, right? So I think a thousand yards during the time he played in, right? So 10 years ago and more, I think it mattered a lot more. So I actually think that's phenomenal. If you look at his stat line. Brother, if you look at it too, man, uh, just had to, to add on to your point there, uh, man, 
look at you know who Rivers had on those Charger teams, right? He was competing for targets with Gates and dealing with you know Ladanian Tomlinson, and like he he was dealing with uh, really really talented players around him, also in the ball. And the fact that he was still able to put those numbers up and get those touchdowns in the red zone is very impressive. Oh, definitely, definitely, I agree. I think the um, the receiver I went with, I want to say it has to do with repetition i just feel like i grew up you know we grew up in the seattle area and i think just seeing this guy and you'll know exactly where i'm getting at seeing him dominate on third down over and over and over again and i remember coining the term back in the day where i was like this is the best third down receiver i've ever seen this guy was money on third down doug baldwin undrafted that is a good, that is a very good pick. Very good. Pick. Thank you. Thank you. It just it came to me, man. I was doing the research, you know, we're looking up and I I got some PTSD. I'm sure my my heart spiked a little bit, but yeah, I just feel like this guy was very clutch. Undrafted, two pro bowls. And he was in an offense that was very run heavy, right? So I think he didn't get as much tar- as many targets as other receivers have. So his stat line it's a bit hard for me to argue, but I will say, you know, almost 500 grabs, 6,500 yards, 49 touchdowns. He was dominant the 2015 and 2016 seasons, but I would say injuries that hinder his career. So there is a bit of that. But I just felt like his advantage of just being phenomenal on third down, uh, he was Russell Wilson's go-to guy. And if we've seen anything this season without Doug Baldwin and maybe a go-to guy, you know, Russell maybe, maybe isn't that good. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't be letting Russ cook, man. I don't know. Well, maybe it was Doug Baldwin, right? So kind of like if you look up the Johnny Menzel highlight Heisman film, it's a Mike Evans film. So yeah, maybe there's something to that. Absolutely. Right. But yeah, I, I gotta say, I like your Vincent Jackson pick. I think, I think you made a better case for Vincent Jackson than I did for Doug Baldwin. So I'll give you that round, man. Good work. Well, I, I just want to chime in real quick on this Doug Baldwin because I think it's interesting that you bring him up. Look, mine was more of an argument of like, look at Vincent Jackson and why he's not talked about as like that red zone threat because that's truly what he was. But with Doug Baldwin, here's the craziest thing about Doug. Tell me something he does great. You, you know what I mean? It's not – there's really not a lot there. He's just probably the hardest worker in the room, honestly. And it looks like repetition, 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 you know, kind of – play on what you're talking about but that's probably where he shined the brightest because i don't think you would say he had elite speed i don't think he'd say man he had elite hands or anything route running maybe it was route running dude come on like the fact he made a lot uh a, a massive career with very low expectations in seattle and um some of his most like defining moments even if you look at a guy not to take take off on his middle like jermaine curse for example a guy that I don't know what he does great. I don't know if he does anything great. But I can tell you that, man, he's had big moments. And just like Doug, they always showed up for Russell Wilson and had big moments. So uh, I, I think your pick actually, man, was a, was top-notch. I think that's a really, really good player to throw in an underrated term. Thank you. Yeah, I just I felt like just off the top of my head when I thought of underrated, I think it was Baldwin just because, you know, I think we argued. Well, we saw a lot of Seattle games too, right? So maybe – we have that as well, right? So people on the East Coast. Too many, man. I'll tell you, too many. <laughs> too many Seattle wins. 
Um, but you know what, though? That was fantastic, actually. I think now looking back on it and reflecting, I think we were fortunate to be able to see the Legion of Boom and Pete Carroll's rise up to uh, becoming a Hall of Fame coach, right? What do you think? Oh, I think I think Pete Carroll, when it's all said and done, especially, and I'm going to be honest, I think this season has been one of his best seasons, regardless of how it finishes, because I've seen this man win with Charlie Whitehurst. I've seen this man win with an, an old Matt Hasselbeck. I've seen this guy win with uh, Tavares Jackson. I've seen this guy win with, you know, Russell Wilson. And for a while, for a long time, everyone thought it was Russell Wilson, right? How lucky Seattle was to find this man. But if you look at it in in, in current day terms of January 2023, it's looking a lot more like Seattle made Russell. And once again, goes back to Pete Carroll as a coach. You look at Pete Carroll's legacy uh, now, what, with what he's done with resurrecting Geno Smith and then going back even to USC, man, where let's look at all the quarterbacks that won the Heisman, you know, the quarterbacks that have won the Heisman or played extremely well at USC when he was coaching. I think th- there's an argument there that Pete Carroll, if we were going to throw a, quarter, a, a coach into the underrated talk, man, don't know if there's a man more underrated. He is a winner in college, he's a winner in the pros, and he's going to, I mean, he's going to coach until he can't coach no more. And uh, I think he is he adapts better than anyone in the, uh, in the NFL coach wise. I would throw that up up there and uh, just uh, nothing but love for coach Pete, man. Nothing but love. That was very well said. I, I got to give you that. Yes. He, uh, I think he really won me over as I was able to appreciate his career. Right. So, and I think, you know, not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but man, I got to give Pete Carroll, maybe all that credit, right? He had uh, Sanchez start for him one year at USC and got the guy to be a top six pick. And and now looking back on it, you know, kind of an honorable mention, man, Mark Sanchez actually was pretty damn good. Can you imagine if landed Mark Sanchez back in the day, what could have happened to Sanchez's career? Not to go. Look, man, I, I think we're going to say this a lot when we're doing these episodes, uh, but I, Hey, we're not going to go off on a tangent. We're not going to, I mean, I think that's what this is going to be. Yeah. man. We're, we're going down memory, bringing players. We're talking memories. We're talking those, those games that stick with us in a, you know, that's a huge what if. And if we ever do a what if episode, I'm telling you, that is a, uh, if Mark Sanchez, if Pete drafted Sanchez, can you imagine uh, what could have been with that early run, running that West Coast offense, man? I'm just saying, I know, I know he had success early with the Jets, man, but man, could he have, res- he could have maybe done that in Seattle. We don't know. You know, I think uh, he probably wouldn't have gotten the butt fumble in Seattle, though. <laughs> I don't know about that. So unfair, man. That's 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 so painful to that man. That that's that that that. It's interesting, man, because like I'm wondering, you know, how it would be from Mark Sanchez's perspective, right? Here you are. Yeah, life is normal, right? You're you're, you're the king of New York, and then the butt fumble happens, and you know, you know that he knows his life will never ever be the same again. There was absolutely, man. Like he had. No chance. And I think he was already on Rocky Waters in that season as well, man. Because I remember that was a must-win game against the Patriots, I believe, to keep their playoff chances alive. And things weren't going well. I think Rex was fired a year later. But, uh, I mean, yeah, man. It, it's one of those where uh, it, it it was just a terrible situation. And what, what, what isn't talked about, man, it's Sanchez, man, was trying to rush, man. Sanchez is not a running quarterback. He was trying to rush. He was trying to make a play out of something, man, right? Like, that Patriots pass rush that year was no joke. And, uh, you know, now we're going down tangent lane, but just to bring that up, I think it is funny that 
that is what that man is known for when it's like, man, we're not talking about this guy coming out out of winning a Heisman with USC, going into the Jets, leading the Jets to the most success they've had in the last 50 years um, in a two-year run. I mean, that's pretty insane. Like, if it was any other market, I think he'd be held much, much higher. You know, I think he'd be kind of in that Jay Cutler realm, at least, if, if that makes sense, where people at least know what he did for Chicago. But, man, this guy is just laughed at, and it's it's pretty insane. Yeah, I think the only thing I would correct is he did not win a Heisman. <laughs> but, yes, he, he had a great career. Hey, man, he could have he could have if he stood with Pete one more year. Possibly, possibly, right? I mean, you know, that's <laughs> we never know, right? We'll never know. That's that's a what if scenario. All right, give me your defensive and or special teams player. What do you got? All right, man. So I'm kind of keeping up with this like Seattle type theme here. Uh, so went with a guy that I think growing up watching football, I regarded this man. You have your Devin Hester, obviously, where. That man is the scariest punt, re- you know, kick returner, punt returner. You don't kick to Devin Hester. We all know that. So, but in my opinion, man, and I think you might also share the same sentiment. There was a man that lived in Seattle and also New York <laughs> uh, for a little bit, and this man got no respect because he was living in that Devin Hester shadow. And if you played in any other era and replicated these numbers, I think it would be absolutely insane to compare. But uh, I'm going with Leon Washington, man. That is my that's my my absolute special teams pick, man. This guy is the most underrated kick return man ever. Um, in his career, had 11 kick return touchdowns, which may not sound like a lot, but that doesn't happen anymore, man. There's nobody in this today's NFL that's going to hit seven kick returns touchdowns. You know, um, he had you know uh, two three return touchdown years, which what are the odds you're going to get, you know, nowadays one a year, let alone three in a year and twice in his career, right? Um, he was a good third string running back, you know, never put up a ton of yards, but I mean, he would definitely be able to run the ball in situations if your running back got hurt or whatever the case could be, um, you know, and he played nine years. And I think that's really, you know, he, he kind of got out right around, I think, 32 years old. But man, he was absolutely scary, man. And could take any kick to the house, I'm telling you. That was very good. I, I did have a feeling once you said special team Seattle Jets, I did think you were going Leon Washington. Um, you're right, man. He was really good. He does have the lack of branding that Hester had, right? But yeah, man, I, I got to say that was very good. I went defensive. I went linebacker. He played for the Rams, the Bills, and the Commanders. And when I say the name, you're going to be like, oh, yep, great, great pick. Linebacker London Fletcher. Undrafted. Yeah, that's a solid pick. That's big. Undrafted. Four Pro Bowls. Played 16, uh, 16 seasons. He had over 10 seasons with over 90 tackles, man. And uh, I just, I think there's something to be said about linebacking during that time period, right? A lot of linebackers got hurt. And uh, I just think this guy was durable. I remember him on the Bills, and I do remember him finishing his uh, career up in Washington as well. So yeah, man, I just I thought he really came to mind, and I don't think he got the the reputation of the the Ray Lewis or the the Brian Urlachers of those times, right? But look at the guy's productivity, right? So the numbers do speak for themselves, and a 16 year career that's fantastic. I, I love it, man. I think uh, 
I think that is a steal of a pick. I like that you win defense, man, rather than special teams. And I think that that guy, um, uh, you know, it's crazy that you brought that up. That when you said 16 years, man, I mean, what defensive like guy, guy that's going to get 90 tackles in a season is going to play 16 years. You know what I mean? That's just the definition of consistency. And I think four Pro Bowls. I mean, that shows you that how other players and how 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 people view them, man. So. Very good pick, man. Very, very good pick. Thank you. Thank you, man. You know, and I think one thing I'd like to do, right, so we covered our our five people each. I'd love to wrap up our episodes with a wild card round, right? So maybe like a wild card tangent or a wild card take, um, any sort of item, right? So I think just off the top of your head, man, if you got one career player coach or team like what would you like to discuss and and why what do you got oh man you're throwing me on the uh on the spotlight right here let me think uh yeah okay i got one for you man it might be a little controversial um but i think that um okay i think if we're gonna look at kind of the theme i'm gonna stick with the theme of underrated a little bit here and i'm gonna say something so i would have to say that when looking at um, Colin, I'm going to look at bring up Colin Kaepernick for a moment. So I'm going to argue that Colin Kaepernick, his first three years in the NFL, is some of the highest quarterbacking that I've witnessed as a football fan. And I'm going to bring this up. I've got a few stats here, kind of unprepared a little bit to make this argument. But he comes into the league and he takes them directly to um, the play. You know, obviously to the playoffs. Right? They get to the NFC title. They lose. Um, they go and they uh, go back. They win. And they were in, you know, obviously in the Super Bowl with the Ravens. Um, and they're one pass interference call away, right? I bring that up only to talk about the fact that the, the, if you watch the quarterback play, man, the uh, there hasn't really been a quarterback to kind of do what he's done since in the sense of running that read option, that, that Jim Harbaugh-style offense, and run it successfully. And um, you can say that teams adapted to it or whatever, but that I would argue that two and a half, almost three year run is some of the highest quarterback play. I think uh, you had a guy that definitely, you know, in football fans minds right now, definitely like a controversial topic and where I'm not going to get into that, but what I, but I will say, if you look at the talent and also a stat that's always stuck with me, people like to argue, he turns the ball over a lot, whatever the case may be the guy for every four touchdowns through a pick. I mean, that's a four to one ratio. I think anyone today would take that. Um, shoot, that's insane numbers. And actually, if you look at the history of football, as of God, when I saw this stat, it's probably a year ago, he was ranked ninth all time uh, in TD to INT ratio. Obviously, a smaller sample size than a lot of the guys on the list, but that's still an absolutely insane stat. And you can't overlook that. So, Got to give some love to that uh, that Niners run with Harbaugh. That's one of the funnest teams. And, you know, like we said, living in Seattle, we watched a lot of that. Ri- we were there for that rivalry and uh, definitely got to give love to that. I like the take. Um, I think we can definitely dive into that in a different episode. And especially, you know, the guy who caught a poor break with Harbaugh leaving. So that, you know, like that really sent his uh, his career into a tailspin because they hired Jim Tom Sula at the time. And that that was bad. I think the the wild card fire from the hip that I've got, I gotta say, as far as you know, we like him a lot now as a commentator today. But I think I rewatched 
these highlights and I've watched a lot of tape over the years. As far as watching someone play quarterback, the aesthetics, I don't think I will ever see anyone have a better season of pure quarterbacking, pure domination, pure gracefulness, the aesthetics of Robert Griffin III's rookie season. All right. What a career, man. Like that season, it just, it made no sense, right? His number one receiver was Santana Moss, probably in his late 30s. You know, the guy had Alfred Morris, right? Like he just didn't have weapons. He did have Kyle Shanahan and, and Mike Shanahan, but man, Robert Griffin III just took over those games. He was running all over the place. And, you know, I just, I think it just kind of, it was different. That's it. I think that's kind of maybe how the Beatles must have been to people who got to see the Beatles or listen to the Beatles during Beatlemania. But I just remember RG3 even winning the Heisman made no sense, right? Played at Baylor, weren't a football team at the time. And uh, yeah, man, I just, I think this guy was just always different as far as the eye test. But yeah, man, I, th I think that's really it. You got anything else you want to want to end on? You want to rebut? What do you got? Oh, man, I just got to... No, that's... I'm going to give you some props. It's a great point. That's a great... That was... Like, I was kind of blown away, man, because I recently rewatched those... Uh, those that, that season's kind of uh, highlight, if you will. Um, and just some of the plays that he was making, I think it's... You know, we, we get hyped up over the Patrick Mahomes throws because they're so crazy when it's off one foot or... You know, you look at Josh Allen and you're like, man, he's got a rifle. If you watch, uh, if you watch those RG3 highlights, man, there are some plays being made on the field that there isn't a quarterback today that can make those plays. I think that that's a, another really interesting thing to deep dive into because those plays and those play calls and the throw on the run and it, some of that, that was just one of a kind, man. And I, nobody could replicate that. Oh, I, I agree. Thank you, man. Thank you. And I, I feel like anyone that'll listen to me, I try to get them to watch the, the highlights of his rookie season. But, you know, I think, man, I think a segue into the next episode, which I'm, I'm down to do tomorrow, I think we should do it either tomorrow or Saturday, Absolutely. should be who do we got making the playoffs out of the NFC? And how do we like this week to play out, man? If you got any sports bets for those that like it. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think we should definitely get a prediction. We should have, you know, pick every game, see who ends up uh, getting it correctly. And, well, you know, maybe uh, kind of keep a tally head to head for now until the rest of the season, till the end of the playoffs. What do you think? No, I think that's good, man. I think a little bit of competitive, uh, see who see who comes through more with the with the picks. But at the same time, I think it's good for discussion. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I'll, I'll definitely... Uh, share my picks of who I'll be dabble this week, man. And seeing, uh, seeing where we're, where, where, where we're going uh, on the betting line. But that said, man, I absolutely agree, man. We'll definitely try to hop on here, uh, in the next day or two. And we'll definitely get this locked in, man. It sounds like a good time. Yeah. You know, and maybe for this week's, uh, or this weekend, we might even have to bet maybe a, a few McChickens or some raising canes or something, man, loser buys. So, <laughs> so, yeah, do a cane sauce for a game man i'm, I'm good man <laughs> you know i don't want to be doing any free shout outs but you, you know we got a long ways to go before we get that that sponsorship man so yeah let's get it we know the goal though we know what the goal is yes yes absolutely man Alrighty, well thank you for your time man thanks for anyone that listens and uh you know let's let's keep at it one day at a time man thank you guys any final words
Hey, take care. Please feel free to, you know, tweet at us on social media, man. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, man. Hit us up. Let us know your sports takes. Feel free to just more of a consistent schedule as we go along with this. We, we, we enjoy this. Like we said, we're big sports fans. And uh, we're going to start doing this on the regular. And we kind of want to build a little bit of a community of just a bunch of cool people, man, that can talk some sports on a, on, on a Tuesday night, man. Relive a little bit of the best memories and give us your thoughts. Give us your takes. Let us know where we can improve. Let us know what's going on. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Yes, thank you, guys. We're always ready to learn. All right. Until next time. We're out. Bye-bye.